Hello, welcome. My name is Mo Quick. Yes, it's the Mo Show. This podcast is all about helping you. We talk about how to get your money right, how to get your mind right. And today I actually brought someone in who's going to tell you her story. Lisa Marie Thomas is not only an amazing author, she's actually a survivor of sex trafficking, something that is so prevalent today, especially here in Atlanta. Her story is incredible. Yes, thank you for having me. I appreciate you for sharing your story and using your voice. I know that's something that has to be very vulnerable for you. Absolutely. It was probably one of the most vulnerable things I've ever done. Wow. Wow. So can I ask, how did it all start? Well, I am, I want to say I'm a small town girl. So I'm from Albany, Georgia. Oh, okay. You're from Albany. Yes. Okay. And I always wanted to move to Atlanta um, mainly because I wanted to be in, in entertainment. So my parents were both in entertainment and um, I came up here with some big dreams and stuff. Yeah. And then um, I really didn't know how the city worked, you know, and I was a little naive, if you will. I ended up meeting this guy and he was he was manipulative. Mm. He made me think that he was my boyfriend, you know, that we were really in love and stuff. And the next thing you know, I was in a city that I didn't know. My parents didn't know where I was. I had my daughter with me. She Mm. was four years old at the time. And there was no way for me to leave. Wow. Did you meet him here or in Albany? In um no, here. I met him here. Wow. Um I had been here for about two years. I used to work at um at a car salesman company, uh Ford. I used to work at Legacy Ford. And um That's where you met him. No. I actually was working there and I was talking to people online because I didn't know anybody down here. Yeah, yeah. And he actually was very persistent. So he sent me message after message every day telling me how beautiful I was and stuff. And at first I was like, uh, I don't really, you know, feel comfortable. But after being lonely and up here for a while, it happened. I finally gave him a chance. Yeah. And it was crazy because he was one of those people that like, sw- like you feel like he swept you off your feet. You know, roses, yes, dates and everything, the type of stuff that you would see in like books and movies. So I'm thinking like, oh, this is what I came here for, Wow, you know, to find exactly when really he was a nightmare. Wow, girl. And he was so good at playing this role that he was able to trap me to the point that I didn't even realize that I was trapped until it was too late. Wow. So a guy like that, number one, I'm going to say the word sleaze. You know, I'm going to say, how could you do that knowing she has a daughter? You know, did he care for your daughter? Like, how was his interactions with her? Well, he he didn't hurt her, you know, so he I wouldn't say he really cared for her. He just made sure that he that she ate. He took care of her. Right. He made sure that the kids were taken care of. So he had a son, too. You're kidding. I am not. Wow. I didn't even know that it was capable, like, he was capable of being a parent. Wow. Right. Um. So he made sure that the kids were taken care of, but the fact that he did all of those abusive things to me in front of them was, I mean, I don't, it was probably the worst type of, like, interactions that they could see so tell me this and give me a mental picture a day in your life when you were in those moments every day was stressful so um 
I got up knowing that I had to do the stuff that he wanted me to do. So I knew that I had to take a client. I knew that he was going to come take the money. I knew that when I woke up and I took somebody that I could be robbed. I was robbed. Even though he was supposed to be there to protect? Absolutely. I was robbed three times. You're kidding. I was robbed on my birthday (gasps) when I turned 21. Um, I was robbed in a house that he had me in with my daughter in the house. You're kidding. And the robber walked in. Um, He pointed the gun in the room where both of the kids were sleeping. And luckily, I was able to just explain to this guy that I was new here. And I didn't tell him that I was being forced to do this, you know, because I was afraid for my life. I literally just told him that I was a mom and I was doing this for my kids and I did not want him to kill me. Mm. And I did not want him to kill my kids. Mm. And he literally walked out of the room. He brought the gun out of the room and told me that he had six daughters. This had to be God, honestly. And he walked out of the house. So he came to rob you, and then you were able to relate with him as a parent. Yes. You are kidding me. I am not. (laughs) Wow. Like, and honestly, like, when I was, after going through all of these experiences, writing a book was the last thing I was thinking about. Because I was so ashamed. I was thinking that I was going to go back home and everybody was going to see this broken person. Like, how could you let somebody do this to you? How could you be so stupid? You know, but then I started thinking, first of all, all of this stuff is happening all over the country. It has to be happening way more, you know, to people here because so many come with so many dreams. Exactly. It's so many come without their family. So many right. come not knowing anyone or anything. College students, everything. And then I thought to myself how selfish it would be for me to have those experiences and be able to actually get past it and escape it and not share that information mm-hmm. with other women. Because in those moments, I thought that I wasn't going to escape. Mm. I thought that I was probably going to die, honestly. And then I thought if I did escape, that I was going to be nothing. Like, I thought there was no chance that I would be able to have a family, like a fiancé, you know, or or a husband, because who would want me after something like that, you know? Um, I didn't know what I was going to do professionally because... For nine months, that was all I knew, even though I had, you know, had this long professional history. This had messed your mind. Right. It had became my world. Wow. So for me, I had to try to figure out how to overcome all of that. And writing the book, writing the first book helped me to heal from it. I can only imagine what you put and turned out, obviously, from the name. And from what we know about the worlds of pimps, like you said, they come, they're so sweet, they're so gentle, they make you feel comfortable, and they latch on to that vulnerable part of you, and then they're able to turn you out. They're able to get you to do what they want you to do. Right. Talk me through the book. In the beginning, what happens, and then bring me to the end. Well, Turned Out is actually... It shows how this even happened to me because 
from my perspective, I was one of those people that you think it wouldn't happen to. So um, I had straight A's in school. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very athletic. You know, I was involved in all the clubs and stuff like that. And because of the fact that I was going through so many struggles when I was a child, um, my mom was on drugs, you know, so she wasn't in my life. I ended up, I ended up dropping out of school. So how old? I was 16, 15, actually, wow. when I dropped out of school. And I just woke up one morning, and I thought I was too smart. You're like, kidding me. <laughs> because I had these good grades. I guess I was just bored, and um, I thought that I was going to go to college early. And I did. So I dropped out of school at 15, and I, um, I enrolled in my GED. So I get my GED in three months. Wow. Girl. When I'm 16, so you were smart as hell. I was pretty smart. Maybe yeah. a little too smart. Too smart for my own good, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, when I got my GED, then I ended up enrolling in uh, the technical school. And so um, I'm going to college, and I'm not realizing like that I'm around grown people, and I'm still a teenager. Mm, the mindset is completely different. Exactly. So I'm online. Again, I'm telling you, like online is like the worst thing yeah. in the world. For a young mind. It really is. And I ended up meeting my uh, daughter's dad. And so we go through this relationship that is up and down, up and down. I ended up getting pregnant with her. I have her when I'm 18. He puts me in jail. How old was he? He was 24. Wow. Oh, he should be ashamed. He should be ashamed. Um, I was 17 when I really started to date him. You know, but yes, he was um, 17 and 23. By the time I had my daughter, I was 18. He was 24. And we we went through so much. Like, I actually ended up getting put in jail by him. Because? Because he was a cheater and I was kind of violent. Okay, say <laughs> so no more. <laughs> I was pregnant at the time. I was six months wow, pregnant and he sis. called the police on me. Wow. So I was sitting in the Doherty County Jail with a big belly laying on the cement block. Wow. And everybody in there is like, what is going on? Wow. Right. And so after that, I ended up probably about five months, six months or so deciding, hey, I'm going to move to Atlanta because I'm done. Oh. And that was like the turning point, you oh. know. So I get my daughter. I call my dad. I'm like, hey, dad, I know you live here. I haven't seen you in years, but, you know, I'm going to come live with you. He's in Atlanta? Mm -hmm. He was in Atlanta. I hadn't seen him for like 10 years. And I just asked him, hey, can I come live with you? I'm going to come up there. I'm going to start my life. Because I've always had ambition, too. And Albany was just too small for me. You know, I wanted the opportunity. So I'm like, I'm tired of dealing with this small town mess. I get up here. He lets me move in with him. And um, so I just start working these regular jobs. And this is how, you know, the book goes. You know, it just details, you know, how I come up to this point. And so how was your relationship with your dad? Well, um, we had to develop one. So um, we actually developed one through business. He taught me he was um, creating a product at the time. It was in Sherwin-Williams. He had just gotten a patent. So he was teaching me all of these things about business and turns out I was really, really, you know, into it. So later on, you know, that ends up helping me. But for me, it me and him really didn't. He got to the point where he wanted me to do everything for him. You know, so I had to break off that relationship. You mean like cook, clean and stuff? No, to run his, to help him with his business and not focus on my dreams. 
Oh, you know. So you left his house. So I left his house. Oh, and left his protection. Right. And that's when I ended up going out on my own. And and um, it was just me and my daughter. Mm-hmm. And we were in College Park. I tried to stay to myself, you know, again. And that's how I ended up getting online because I was, again, so lonely. And I was more afraid to go out in the streets, to be in the clubs, you know, to be giving my daughter to babysitters, all that kind of stuff. So for me, I thought it was safer to sit in the house and interesting text and stuff you know um and come to find out it was probably the worst decision that I could have made because this guy was not only reaching out to me but he had a tactic where he was reaching out to hundreds of girls and yes and we find that out later on in the book um then we go through how he um is able to take me to his house, you know, how I am able to stay there, how he violently makes me, you know, do certain things for him, how he locks me away, takes me to a different state where I'm robbed. And then it gets to the point. So wait a minute. Let me ask you this before you get to the second point or the third point in the book. As you all meet, Mm -hmm. first it's online. um, Somehow he convinces you to then meet him in person. Mm -hmm. Would you say he kidnapped you? Yes, but it was a grooming leading up to that point because I had I had seen him probably six or seven times in person. Like we had spent hours talking before we had went on dates. You know, we had really gotten to know each other. I had really known him for about three months or so Mm. before. Now, the interesting part about it is I was having to leave my apartment and so I needed somewhere to stay and I was trying to go get a job and he said that hey I'm going to take you to your job interview and it was at Dollar Tree it was at Dollar Tree on Camp Creek Mm. so because I'm not so because I don't know the area very very well then I'm thinking okay well you know this is fine because at least I know where I'm going but once we got on the expressway I knew that we were not going in the right direction. And this was after you all had already met so many different times. Mm-hmm. So I trusted him. Wow. And at that point, this was the first time that my daughter had been in the car, you know, with us. So like, she was with you. She was with me. Wow. And for about 10, 15 minutes, you know, I was kind of thinking to myself, like, okay, am I tripping? You know, are we going in the right direction? And then something says, no, you need to say something. And then I look over and I'm like, hey, I don't think that we're going the right way. You know, my interview is at this time. And he's like, oh, OK, well, I just have to make a stop real quick. So this is really wow. how it happened. And so I'm thinking, OK. It's not really scary at this point, you know, but then when we stop, we were probably there for like three hours. He's talking. Car. Were you in the car? No, he brought me in the house with his brother and his girlfriend, and we're having to sit there while they smoking and stuff. with your daughter. With my daughter, so I'm like, hey, and this is the first like negative interaction that we had, mm. but something told me not to just you know act crazy, so I just started asking him like, hey, you know, I had something to do, you know, I'm really uncomfortable, I need to go back home. And then that's when I kind of got the first hint, you know, that he wasn't the person that I thought 
But by this point, I was, I, I'm not even sure what city I was in. Mm. And I was alone. Mm. And my daughter was sitting there with me. Mm. So I had to be smart. And then um, we get back in the car and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm ready to go home now. We drive for about another 15 minutes or so. And I'm like, okay, I'm not home. I find out we're in Alpharetta. He took you to Alpharetta? Yes. Oh, my goodness gracious. Yes. And that's where he lived. And he's like, okay, well, I got to make a stop right here. And then when we get there and stuff, he's like, okay, make yourself comfortable. Oh, my. And I'm like, okay. And then now... Keep in mind, I don't have anywhere to stay either. So I'm trying to actually go back to my father's house because he was going to let me stay there for a couple of days. And he's like, oh, no, you can just stay here. Oh, he knew. He knew you didn't have anywhere to stay. He knew. So he capitalized on that. So I'm sitting here like, okay, I need to go home. But where am I really finna go? You know? Yeah. So it was kind of like a weird situation. And he's like, okay, well, we've been talking for months. You can just stay here tonight. You know, I know, you know, things was kind of crazy today or whatever, but just relax. You know, and I'll take you back to your dad's house in the morning. Wow. So I'm like, mm, okay. Mm. Was his son there at that time? No. Mm. And then I stayed there. Um, the next day, we just, you know, talk and stuff like that. He convinces me to stay at this house because he tells me that he owns it. Hilarious. Yes. And that I could stay there. I can get my stuff together or whatnot. And he won't charge you. And he won't charge me. Oh, Lord. Yeah. And, again, keep in mind, I'm from Albany. So, at the time, I was, what, 19? And you thought, this was is 20. perfect. Right. I'm like, okay, well, it's kind of weird. Why would you do this for me? But I really, really need this, mm. you know, too. So, what if I'm turning down a good opportunity? Stupid, I know. But, um, so, I'm like, okay. All right, I'll do a couple weeks. And we won't say stupid. We'll say naive. Naive, right. Mm. And I was like, okay, we'll do a couple of weeks. And a couple of weeks turned into a month. Wow. And then he says, you know what? Um, You haven't gotten a job yet. And I think that, you know, you need to just help me around here with the bills. Were you guys having sex? Yes. Mm. By that point, yes. Yeah. And um, I'm like, okay, well, so, you know, you can take me to some interviews. What do you have in mind? And he's like, no, 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 no. I have a friend. My friend, she does massages. You know, he's really passionate about this. You know, he's he's really um, confident about it. Wow. My friend, she does massages, you know, and you can help her out. You know, she'll pay you under the table or whatnot so you can keep it. Um, you'll pay me, you know, this amount or whatever so you can um, take care of the bills and then the rest, you know, is yours. You can take whatever clients, you know. And so I'm like, okay, I can do that. That don't sound that hard. But I'm not thinking about what type of massages. I'm just thinking regular, you know, what you see on TV. Then we're in the car, and he leads with, well, she doesn't have a place yet, so she works out of a hotel. When you heard the word hotel, all of your antlers go up. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, no, you don't have to do anything today. You know, she just, she works out of here. So what we're going to do is um, we're going to go in and I'm just going to have you talk to her. See how you feel, you know. And it was really exactly how he said it was. So we walked in, you know, he was, she was really nice. Um, We talk and stuff. And she's like, okay, I think you can do this. You know, this is what we do and stuff like that, you know. And pretty soon I'll have a building. 
did it look sketch? It actually didn't. Wow. It was actually really nice. Wow. Um, and I don't know if that's nice for me. Mm-hmm. You know, because my nice is different now than it was, you know, just <laughs> right. being down here. I'm just right. going to let you know. Right. But, um, but to me at that time, yes, it was really nice. Mm. So um, just having this nervous, this uneasiness the whole time. That's I, your intuition. Right. And I did not rely on that, mm. like for months. And just going forward, I kept thinking like, okay, fine, fine, fine. And then once we actually did the massages, it really was what they said the first time. So the first time, it was a regular massage. So you were the one giving the massage. Mm-hmm. And it really was. Um, it wasn't like clothes, you know, no clothes or nothing like that. He just took off his shirt and I massaged um, his back. And then the third time, this guy just comes out and he's like, okay, well, um... I'm ready for my my happy ending. And you said what? I'm Were you like, in the room alone? Yes, with oh, him. No. And at the time, the guy just stands outside the door. You know, so it's like if I have a problem, you know, I just yell out or whatever. Um, but normally, you know, there's no problems because I'm not doing anything. Um, and this guy, he's just looking at me and he's so serious. He's like, I'm ready. And I'm like, uh... I think you have me mistaken, Mm. sir, you know. Um, Mm. So the crazy part is I send a text to um, the guy at the time um, that I'm dealing with. And he comes in and I'm thinking that he's going to say something to him because obviously there is a mistake. And he looks at me like I'm the problem. You're kidding. Yes. And for the first time time everything started to settle in wow and he's like looking at me like so what's the problem and I'm like I just told you what the problem is I didn't sign up for that and the guy was still there he was still there and he's just looking at both of us and I'm just like I have this dumbfounded look on my face and so he lets the guy go um I think he gave him some money or whatever because obviously there was a problem on my end. Wow. And then he shuts the door and tells me that I need to do what they ask. How did he say it forcibly or the first time no. He said it very calm. He said no, you need to do what they ask you to do. And I said, "Do you know what he was asking me to do?" He said, "Yeah, I'm pretty aware of what he asked." And I need you to do it. Oh, my. And I directly said, no, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) And he tells me, walks up to me, gets super close to my face. Like, I can, like, feel, like, that hot breath, like, you know, on my cheeks and stuff. And he's like, I'm going to tell you again. You're going to do what I tell you to do. Oh, my. And then there was, like, a little bit of, like the tingles, you know, mm-hmm. but I Your got three brothers. So for me, my three brothers are in my head. Like, you know, like, uh, uh-uh, uh, this man ain't finna talk to you like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm still looking at him like, no, I'm not that type of girl. And then he like takes his hand back and just like whacks me down to the floor. You're kidding. Like 
like waxed me down to the floor. And I I was holding my face on the floor and I'm just like looking up because I I really couldn't I couldn't understand. My brain could not gather what you had were just not happened. Processing. Right. Yeah. I was like in shock for a minute. Wow. And he's just looking at me and he's like, come get in the car. And After he's like, that, he just says, get in the car? And get in the car before I drag you by your hair. Has he ever been that aggressive before? No. This was like it snapped overnight. What the hell? Yes. And so I, my daughter was in another room. Um, his son was there by in this the point. In the hotel? Mm-hmm. Yep, but he was in there too. So it's him, um, my daughter, his son. He had got another hotel room or whatnot. I didn't know that at this point. But when I come out the room, I see them come out the room. Hilarious. So then um, we're all walking to the car, yeah. and I pick my daughter up. But I grab my phone, and I'm like, okay, I got to text somebody. So yeah. I start to text one of my friends from Albany that lives here. Mm-hmm. So um, he texts me back, and as soon as I saw my – as soon as I heard the phone ding – he like whacks me again. My daughter is in my hand. And I like fall to the floor. He picks my daughter up, puts her in the car, puts on her seatbelt, and then it's like proceeds to drag me and just throw me back into the truck. Oh my goodness. So by that point, it was like concrete. Like it was so clear what was happening. Mm. And I didn't know what I needed to do. But he had taken my phone Mm. and I was sitting there looking at my daughter. She was like in shock, even though she didn't know what was going on. His son's eyes were like a little deer. And I'm just thinking to myself, I got to call the police. I got to call somebody. I got to call my parents. I didn't get my phone for two weeks. Two weeks? What was he doing in those two weeks? Well, during those two weeks, he would have me use a landline to take calls and clients even though they couldn't be screened he just and I was still doing massages at this time now because it hadn't went to like you know the next thing but I was doing like the happy endings or whatever and um so what is a happy ending we hear about it all the time <laughs> what what is it it is where you finish the guy off with oral after a massage so he's not coming inside of you? No. Okay. And, you know, it's with protection or whatnot. You know, I mean, I did anyway. Yeah. But um, it is it's demoralizing. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And the fact that it even is something that someone would make you do, you know, kind of just feels, I want to say it feels like rape. You know, but it just is and it's okay to say it. Yeah, It just feels like, yeah, it's like constant violation of your body. Absolutely. Um, And that's why I think that's another reason why I just wanted to write and tell how it happened, because I couldn't understand how it happened myself. Mm. And I was calling myself like all these names, like stupid, you know. No. And then I was thinking like. Well, I had to, once I started writing, I saw the pattern. And I was like, oh, my God, this is what happened. And then I saw 
where I could actually change it later. Wow. You know, because and you where could see it coming. Exactly. And where it didn't have to be that way. Um, then it goes from me doing the massages and the happy endings to full blown out just having sex, you know? Wow. And even though he made me do all of that stuff, I was very, very stern in using protection. Like I was not going to, you know, um, take a chance with my body, you know, with my health, my life. Your life, girl. Right. But, and he was okay with that. So that was lucky for me. But, um, and, and here's a question. Now that you're able to go back and replay these things in your mind, do you believe that you might have been his first victim? Well, I found out that I was not. So there was another girl that had came into the picture and I found out that she was his actual girlfriend. You're kidding me. I am not. Was she victimized into being his girlfriend? Well, no, that I I could never be sure of. Um, she did reach out to me towards the end and tell me that she was very happy that everything happened the way it did because she got free finally. Oh, wow. So it's possible. But at the time... It was my understanding that she was helping him to manipulate these girls. But she was probably being forced to do that. Forced to do that as well. Yeah. She had four kids at the time. Oh, poor baby girl. And she was living in like a trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a nice trailer, you know, a du- but. A duplex. Yeah. But um, I saw instances of her actually getting physically abused pretty bad, too. Um, there was a time where I actually got stomped out in front of her oh my um, and she couldn't say anything because he was going to hurt her too. Um, there were instances where I was dragged down the street and, broad she, daylight? and did, she had to watch it. Did anybody ever try to come to your aid, like anyone around? No. You're kidding. And me. that was the crazy thing. I think that was the thing that shocked me the most is that People saw what was going on. And even though they didn't know, like, hey, this person is forcing her to do this. People saw him beating me in the street. Mm. And they would turn a blind eye. And I don't know if they thought maybe that it was my choice or that maybe he was my man. So it was okay. I don't know. But no one ever said anything. Did you ever feel... Maybe so threatened by him that you didn't ask for help? Or how how was your trying to get help journey? Well, it failed every time. So I tried to escape from him three times. Mm. Um, The first time I tried to run away. And because he had picked me up from my dad's house, he knew where my dad stayed. Mm. And that was the only family I had. So he pulled up over there. And he threatened everyone in there. He said he had a gun and stuff and that I needed to come outside or else he was going to shoot the house up. So I'm like, okay, I don't want anyone to know what's going on because I thought I can get myself out of this or whatnot. And you didn't tell your dad what was going on. I did not. Oh, baby girl. I did not. And I left Mm. thinking that, okay, I don't want anyone to know because it was shameful. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, I went, I ended up going back and then the 
second time I tried to run away, I did something that people probably would be, you know, be upset about. But um, I knew that he loved that little boy. And I knew that he, that basically if I did enough to make him feel like I loved his son as much as I love my daughter, that maybe he would have a soft hand for me. So for like two months, I was like super nice to his son mm. or whatnot. And he just stopped like being as hounding, you know, he stopped coming. So it worked. It did. And then one night um, I got some stuff together. I had been stashing some tips and stuff like that in a bear that I had cut open. And I took like $300. I put it in a bag. I grabbed my daughter and I left the house mm. and I locked the door, but I left his son in there. Mm. because he was gone and I felt like that was the only opportunity for me to leave mm. and I couldn't take his son with me of course so I just felt like okay well I don't know what's going to happen behind this but I need to go and I did it made him super duper angry how old was his son his son was eight. Oh, eight. I mean not saying old enough to be left but I mean eight is right you have food in the house exactly right and I made sure that he did you know I put his little toys and stuff next to him turn the tv on and I left mm. and so um I ended up getting a mega bus ticket and I went to my dad's mattress store that was on Camp Creek and tell me why I didn't know about location and stuff but he had put location on my phone. Oh, no. Pulled up to the mattress store. Oh, my goodness. So, again, I'm like, oh, my God, what do I do? Mm-mm-mm. I decide again, crazy, not to say nothing. <laughs> wow. And I leave again. Wow. Did he, Be- he do the same, I'm going to do this, I'm going to mm-hmm. do that if you don't come out? Mm-hmm. Wow. So I thought... Oh, my God, this is not working. Every time I try to run, I get found, you know. So, okay, I'm going to go back. Third time I go back. So when you go back, right, he's already frustrated. He's annoyed. You've done this. You've made him do that. How was that feeling of being back where you just escaped? I already knew the consequences of it before I did it, if it failed. I already knew that. If this failed, and if somehow he found me, that he was going to beat me very, very bad. Like, he was going to, like, beat the crap out of me. And I was prepared for that. So, when it happened, I was, I think I had got kind of numb to it. Wow. Um. So, as soon as I got in the car, I kind of was already ready to cover my face. Mm. You know, I was already ready to you know um block you know in different places and just try to do the best I could to not get my teeth knocked out oh baby girl and then I honestly I came up with this plan and the plan it was crazy like it was so crazy so this is what I did I said to myself I am going to make him not need me. I'm going to make him not want me. And the way that I could do that was to mess up his money, um, mess up his relationship. So 
I started like making sure like I started taking money, putting it up and acting like I wasn't counting it right. Like, oh, my God, you know, I just somebody shorted me, you know, like I tried to make sure that I was acting like I really, really wanted to be there at the same time to kind of mess with his head so that he could think like, oh, she's just trying so hard that she's just not getting it right. But then at the same time, when he was gone, I would call him and act like I wanted him to be there so that the other girl would get upset and make them argue. And that way it took some of the frustration, you know, from him off me. Mm. And it probably took like two months or so where he just got tired of his money coming up short. He got tired of beating on me. He got tired of having me have to cover my face for the clients of him and the girl, you know, arguing and stuff like that. And he just told me that he wanted to drop me off somewhere that I had to leave. And I said to myself, I was like, thank God. Wow, girl. Wow, baby girl. Because he was really going to let me leave. The mental manipulation that it has to take for such a mentally draining strategy. Um, I think that I just had to, first of all, I had gave up at one point. So I actually, after I was robbed, I tried to kill myself. Um, in well, Alabama. Why? 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 Obviously, being robbed is something that can really mess you up. But you had already been through so much. So why was it that that made you try to take your life? Because I was in Alabama. I was in a hotel room. I had just gotten robbed, and I had just gotten beaten up too by him. Wow. And. I just thought to myself, and this was after the two times I had tried to escape. Mm. So I just felt like it was over with. Mm. And that was the point where I was like, you know what? This is this is going to be my life. I'm going to be stuck here forever. He's going to kill me. Um, I'm probably going to have my child taken by child services. And that's it. Mm. So I was just ready to end it. And the only way I felt like I was going to end it was by jumping out that hotel room window. Girl, how 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 many flights was it? It was three. It was very very high though, um, because it was a it was a pretty tall building in Alabama, so the third floor was the highest. Mm. And so I figured if I didn't die, that I was going to at least be so badly hurt that he wouldn't be able to use you. Right. Wow. So I opened the window. And um, I was just finna just fall out. I was I had turned around actually so I could fall on my back, and I was just gonna fall out. And then my phone just started ringing. It was just ringing and ringing and ringing off the hook. And I'm like, who is this calling me? Because it had gotten irritating. Because I'm in a serious moment, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm trying to do something, and you messing with me. And it was my dad. Wow. And he was like, Hey, I've been trying to reach you. You know, why do you keep leaving from here? And then I just, I was like, you know, I had a lot of stuff going on. I was staying with a friend and he was talking to me about some business stuff. He went straight to, you know, the company and this, that, and the third. But it took so much for me to talk about that with him that I didn't even realize that he had really saved my life. Wow. Because he took me from the ledge. Wow. And 
then when I got back to Atlanta, I was like, okay, so if I'm not going to give up, that means I got to fight him. Mm. And I can't beat him because I'm a girl. So I got to outsmart him. Ooh, girl. So I had to go back to how he outsmarted me mm. and figure out what it was that he wanted from me, what I did that was valuable to him, and I had to try to reverse that. Mm. And so I ended up talking to this girl, the girl that he was um, dating after he had beat her up one time and she just felt, I guess, comfortable enough to talk to me. And um, I just asked her, why are you, why, what's going on? Like, why are you even doing this? Mm. And she tells me her story and stuff like that. But she tells me that she loves him and stuff. But the one thing that stuck out to me that she said was, we've had a lot of girls, but there's something about you. Mm. He never went to this length to manipulate anyone the way that he did you. Most girls, they would just choose him. But he went and got you. And I don't know why. And that's why I don't like you. Wow. And I was like, oh. You're kidding. I was like, okay, well, that was honest. Thank you. (laughs) And with that little nugget of information, (laughs) that was, I think, the fire that sparked back in my head. Because that is what gave me the insight. It gave me like, okay, this is what I need to do then. Mm. And so I just started to put the plan into action. I started to be wow. super nice to him. I was making dinner. I was taking care of the kids. Wow, girl. I was acting like I liked it. I was like, you know, trying to, again, act like, you know, even if I messed up the money on purpose, that it was just from me trying so, so, so hard. Wow. You manipulated the manipulator. I did. And wow. I did not think it was possible. Wow. And it didn't come without the consequences, though, because there was another part to the plan. So... When he said that I could leave, something told me that he wasn't going to let me leave. Just let me leave. So he dropped me off at this hotel room, and he's like, okay, well, I'm going to pay for the room and stuff, so you need to be here. And I'm like, okay. But I had already had money saved. So I let him pay for the room and stuff. I stayed there, and then about four nights later, like in the middle of the night, I just took my stuff, and I went to another one. He couldn't find me. He was just calling my phone, trying to find me. I didn't have a car, so I had to walk around to, you know, Kroger and stuff like that. So that was like, that was the scariest part for me. Because you didn't know where he could be. Exactly. Yeah. And so um, I didn't end up, I didn't end up running into him. But what happened was I needed some money because I was staying in a really nice hotel room and I was actually paying $300 a night. So, How did you get that kind of money? Well, the clients that had good money, I kept them around. Mm. And so I, you know, um, stayed close to them, mm-hmm. you know, um, making sure that I was, you know, still getting money from them while I was staying there. Perfect. But I also made sure that they didn't know him so that there was no connection, Hilarious. you know, between the two. But one night, none of them were available. And none of them had given me enough money to stay for that week. Mm. So I had to get back on online. 
And I took the same page that he was posting on Backpage at the time. And I posted it in another city. And I was scared because I was thinking he was going to see it. And I was thinking that, you know, he was probably going to pull up and do something to me. But I ended up getting this client that sounded Jamaican. So he tells me that he's going to come. He comes and I see the same car that he described. I see a guy get out the car. But when I come down and I go to the door, something is like, hold on. But my hand is already like pushing the door. No. And once I push the door, then it just flew open. And it was him. Oh, my goodness. And that was the final phase, I guess, of the plan that I had prepared for. Because I knew it was a possibility that this was going to happen. Mm. Um, So I was like, that night, I was thinking, while this is going on, on, I'm going to have to fight him. Physically? Yes. Like, we really finna have to scrap in here. Like, for real, for real. Like, So um, he's like, what room you in? He got a gun. So I tell him, I already got my key in my hand, and my key says the room on it, you know, so. Where was the hotel clerk? She was, I have no idea. Wow. But, you know, it was one of those, like, inside, side extra, outside. yeah, side exit doors. Okay. Because oh, it was, like, oh. three in the morning. I hear you. So I take the stairs and kind of push it open because I don't want nobody to know what I'm doing anyway. Absolutely. You know, so um, he comes up through the stairwell. We go upstairs, and I also have the room on the end because I want the clients to be able to just go out the door and not have to walk down the hallway you know and stuff so I thought I was being strategic I thought I was being smart and everything but luckily I did know the housekeeper I knew her very very well like she used to watch my daughter and stuff for me so after I was fighting with him probably for like three hours what three hours how did you have the strength I have no idea And there's one part in Turned Out where he's beating me and I am, like, crouched in the corner. And I just hear the Lord telling me, this is the last time. Mm, mm, mm. And I heard it again. This is the last time. Mm. And I didn't know what that meant, but I got up and I, like, pushed him off me. Like, I had this, like, huge, like, surge of adrenaline. Mm. And I pushed him. And then he, like, slaps me back onto the ground, and he's, like, I'm grabbing onto the bed, and he's, like, dragging me. So I got, like, these carpet burns and stuff like that. And then he just starts, like, beating me, like, my ribs, you know, my kicking my ribs and kicking me in the back and stuff. It was crazy. You were so small. I can't imagine a man doing it was, this. And he was, like, 6'2". Oh, my God. It was insane. Um, And he really, honestly, I'm not going to say he almost killed me, but... After he beat me so bad, he left. And he was, I was laying on the floor and the door was open. The housekeeper, she just runs in. She's like, oh my God, you know what happened? Because I can't even move. Um, I don't go to the hospital here because I'm just so tired. I'm just trying to go back to Albany. I'm just done with Atlanta, you know, at this point. So I get a mega bus ticket. I go straight to Albany. I go to the hospital. I got three fractured ribs. Like, I got a concussion, like, all kinds of stuff. How did you make it to Albany in that condition? I have no idea. Like, I got my daughter, I got a mega bus ticket, and I just got on the bus. And I put a hoodie on, just, and I called my mom when I got there, and my mom and my grandma showed up. 
they they were broken when they saw me mm. and um we mm. went to the hospital and from there I just tried to move on. Mm. Like I didn't tell nobody. I had to make a police report when they came, you know, but I just said, look, I had an altercation with my boyfriend and it's over now. And then after I was in Albany for like three months, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation called me. And How did asked they me. find out? They seen the police report and had warrants from him for him in like three different counties and wow. two different states. Wow. So it turns out that this guy was a major sex trafficker. He had trafficked dozens of women. Um he was reaching out, they said, to hundreds of them mm-hmm. online. He had beaten this pregnant girl. She was like 16. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, and I ended up having to come back here to testify against him or else they was going to lock me up. In court? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then the crazy thing is, this is like one of the craziest parts of the whole book. He decided to defend himself. Against you? Against me and six other women that came there to testify against him. What could he possibly say? (laughs) You know I helped you. Stop. This is what he said in court. (laughs) You know um, I was there for you and I was just trying to help you and your uh, daughter have a place to live. Stop it. (sighs) I was so nervous when I walked in that courtroom at first. Like, I was like, I didn't know what to say. And when I heard that stupidity come out that man's mouth. You were ready to go off. I was ready to go off. <laughs> I just was like, boy, don't you play with <laughs> Like, and the crazy part about it is why he said, while he's saying all of this, there is a big projector behind me of pictures of mm. me with bruises and stuff mm. all over. It's like seven different photos. It looked like they was having a slideshow oh. of it. And he's really sitting there like, you know I did. And I'm like, you know you did. This behind me? Oh, I just like, don't understand how somebody could be that um, messed up in the mind. How can you really do this to someone? It turns out that uh, his mom knew what he was doing. You met his mom? Well, I met his mom once briefly. Mom, that's just because I was at his house and she came out and left. But from the court documentation and from what the DA said, she actually knew what was going on. As was well. she a pimp? I don't know. Now, they didn't have enough evidence to charge her with anything. You are kidding me. But yeah, she knew exactly what was going on. Um, one girl had to come from Washington, D.C. Uh, to testify against him. Um, he had warrants in Cobb County, Henry County, Clayton County, Alabama, and Tennessee. Wow. How so, old was he? This is the next thing. When I met him, he told me he was 28. The DA told me this man was 38 years old. You're kidding me. He did not look like it, but yes, he was 38 years old. Wow. So even his age was a lie. Wow. And I was like, I was disgusted because I'm thinking, <laughs> like, this. And you were so young. I didn't even get a chance, right, to even decide on whether I wanted to date someone that old, you know what I'm saying, much older than me. Like, for me, in 21 and 38, yeah. like, you almost have a 20-year difference on me. Absolutely. So, 
like now, you know, that would be different because I'm 28, but he didn't give me a choice. And if I would have known that, then I would have been able to see the pattern, but it all was forced. Yeah, that's from the, the beginning. Prank. I mean, like when I say he preyed on you, like he was like a snake, you are a mouse, you know, and so many uh, to imagine all those other girls like it's a blessing that you wrote this book, because like you say, when you're so close to it, you can't see what's going on. You know, in hindsight, sure, you can say, oh, oh, but if you don't know. You know how many girls come here from Mississippi, Tennessee, Savannah. I mean, Albany's right down the street, but people are crossing state lines to come here. His um, That girl was from Indiana. His girlfriend? Mm-hmm. So she wasn't even from here. Wow. So that's a perfect example. Wow. That's crazy. And when you wrote your second book, When God Let Me Speak, what's the transition like from the first book to the second book? Well, I think that the transition was exactly what you just said. It was hindsight. Because what I start what I started to do was this. I was thinking to myself after um I decided to move back up here, I was thinking, well, maybe it was other things that led me up to that experience too. You know, maybe it was things that I didn't see. So, I started to think about purpose you know, and going forward. And I started to put these like stories together. One was about my friend who almost got AIDS. Oh, <laughs> yes. No. Um, one was about um, a dog that I had that passed away right before I found out I was pregnant with my daughter wow. and how I might've been being prepared to be a mother mm. at that time. One was about how I almost was killed by a car when I was nine Um, One was about a dream that I had. And when I started to look at all of this information, I was thinking, well, hindsight really is 2020. Because now that I can see what I did wrong, I cannot make those mistakes in the future. And by using the, the pain that I went through, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, basically. So I started it with, it was actually, it's weird. It was kind of like, a letter to my family if I didn't make it. Baby girl. It was like, you know, deep. how how mm. am I going to explain this to y'all? I just couldn't do it. You know, and then it goes from that to maybe I'm going through this for a reason. You know, maybe I don't need to just give up right now. So by the end of the book, I'm a whole different person. By the end of the book, I see where I can help somebody else and where I was being put through this ringer almost like a martyr so that someone else wouldn't have to step in the same holes. And that's why I actually titled it When God Let Me Speak because I I heard it. Just like when I heard it was the last time that this man was going to hurt me, I heard my purpose. And from there, I found my voice. So that was probably one of the most profound moments in my life to realize that maybe my life is not about me. Wow. Maybe I'm put here for something way bigger. And I need to act on that because other people need me, Mm. you know, and 
um, from there, from writing the second book, I started to work with all of these different organizations mm. that um, help with the sexual exploitation of kids. Mm-hmm. I revved up kids in uh, Johns Creek. They're actually like really close um, to our company. And from there, we were able to talk to like DFACs. We've been able to um, speak at DFACs conventions. Um, we have been able to uh, work with empowered flower girls that actually um, work on building up little girls in their teens so that once they get to being an adult, they're not succumb to the manipulation. Yeah, it's much harder when you have these brokenness in you. So it's really opened up a lot of doors to where I thought entertainment was going to be my purpose at first, and now I see that it's so big social impact. Girl, that's so much bigger, you know, because you're saving actual lives just in that moment when you didn't feel like you wanted to continue your life. You know, imagine your dad saved yours so that you could save others. Even my daughter's. I feel like because my mom didn't get a chance to do that with me because she, you know, went through what she did. But I felt like I did the first step to break the cycle Mm. so that my daughter could lead by example as well by seeing the resilience. Because your daughter witnessed a lot. But to see her see her mom now a two-time author (laughs) like wow girl she's also an author now too you're kidding (laughs) your daughter has a book yep we wrote uh three children's books and she uh wrote one called don't call me pretty because she wanted to expound on vanity i love the title (laughs) of that book okay you have to bring her in next time i will how old is she she just turned 10 Oh, uh, oh, she's perfect. That means she can speak for herself, articulate what the book is about. Yes. Where to go get it. Oh, speaking of, where can we go get both of your books? Um, they are available um, mostly everywhere online, but Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Books A Million, Google Books. If you just type in Lisa Marie Thomas or you type in A Turned Out or When God Let Me Speak, it should be available to buy on those platforms. I love that. So, yes, we are talking with Lisa Marie Thomas, and we're going to follow you on social. What's your Instagram? It is um, at Lisa Marie underscore the underscore author. And do you have a website we can go to? I do. It's www.lisamarietheauthor.com. All right. Well, girl, it has been an actual journey. Um, You have taken us up down to the side like your story is so inspiring um it really sheds light on what a lot of people think sex trafficking is versus what it actually is right you know it really gives you those um red flags that you don't know you're supposed to be looking out for right i think it's going to really help a lot of girls who might be in your exact situation maybe even at the beginning Mm -hmm. maybe don't even know that that is what they're leading to So I appreciate you for being vulnerable. You know, we've cried, we've laughed, like there's nothing else to do. (laughs) Like we've done it all in this short hour that we've been speaking together. So I I appreciate you for reaching out. Um, I thank you for struggling this morning to get here. (laughs) Yes, it was well worth it. Was it? It Thank you, girl, because your dress, you look amazing. I'm sorry that you. you struggled to get it, but it's here. You know, so many times we don't know 
what life has in store until we get there. And to have you sitting here in this room at a time where this information is so needed, I appreciate you for sharing it. Thank you. It was it was awesome. It was amazing. Okay, so any final words you have for the young girls and boys that are listening to you today? Absolutely. If anyone is in a situation where you feel like you can't escape, you definitely can. Um, I can't tell you how, but what I can say is, is that there's purpose for you too. There is light at the end of the tunnel. You don't have to give up. If you have kids, you want to do it for them, and you can have a life afterward. And I am a living, breathing example of that as a mom, as um, almost a wife. You know, I didn't think it was possible for me. Um, so just keep going, pray, and you'll make it. You trying to bring us back to tears, huh? Girl, you about to make me cry so hard. Wow. Such a passionate, passionate outcry. And I really hope someone's receiving that message right now because I can truly understand that you're saying that from your heart. Like you're saying that because you were that vulnerable person who needed to hear those words at the time. I was. Baby girl, this is Lisa Marie Thomas here on The Mo Show. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you join us for the next episode.